So as I said, we're going to be going to Romans chapter uh, 12 here in just a minute. So I'd encourage you to turn there in a Bible that you brought with you or a pew Bible. Turn to Romans. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. We'll read it here in just a minute. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans is right after Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans uh, 12. Bless you. Um, you know, we've been, before we read it, let me introduce this here. We've been walking through the eight steps to healing from the book, Life's Healing Choices. The eight steps to healing from the book, Life's Healing Choices. These, these, these are steps outlined by number, and I'm going to catch you up to where we're at today and also tell you where we're going over the next few weeks here in just a moment. These are eight principles, and each principle is a Christian version of the 12 steps from the 12-step method of recovery. These eight principles or steps are an acronym that spell recovery. And if you are a Christian and you are here, then you are in recovery. We are all in recovery. We are all in recovery from our sin problem. We are born uh, into a sin-filled world. And the Bible says that no one is righteous, no, not one. We are not only affected by our own sin, we are affected by others' sins around us. And we are affected by a fallen, tarnished world. We are all in recovery. And as we remember that, maybe that will help us give grace and mercy to ourselves and to others. Because <laughs> sometimes we're very hard on ourselves and sometimes we're very hard on others. We are all in recovery. And so let's walk through these. Number one, we realize that I'm not God. We preached about that a number of weeks ago. Realize that I'm not God. I must admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong things and that my life is unmanageable. Now that's extremely scriptural, right? I mean, anybody think that the Bible teaches that you are God, see me after the service, uh, because that would be heresy. That would be a very major heresy. Realize that you are not God, that we need help. All of us need help. Number two, earnestly believe that God exists and that I matter to him and that he has the power to help me recover. God exists. Guess what? You matter to God and God has the power to help you. God has the power to help all of us. God has the power to help us all, all at the same time. And he desires to help you. He wants to help you. Number three, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. That is very scriptural. All these are, as I've said. We all need to consciously commit all of our life to Christ's care and control. Christ wants to be and needs to be a Lord of all of our life. It's, it, it, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, anyone can follow me, but he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. We are given a free gift of salvation, but we have to surrender control. This means that you let Jesus be in the driver's seat, and you can't be in the passenger seat. You can't even be in the back seat, because sometimes we can be backseat drivers, so you have to get in the trunk and let Jesus be in control of your life. It's a, it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's easier said than done. I understand. But we have to consciously choose to do that. Number um, four, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Again, these are very biblical. James 4, 7, we're to confess our sins to one another. We need prayer partners, accountability partners. We need to confess. Number five, this is what we'll talk about today. Voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life. And humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Voluntarily submit to God. He wants to transform us. He loves us too much to leave us alone. Number six, 
Evaluate all my relationships. This is reflection. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others. Evaluation, confession, repentance, making amends. Guess what? Too many of us think we can just brush things under the rug. Just sweep it under the rug. But no matter what, that dust just keeps coming back. You know, it always comes back. Make amends. Offer forgiveness. Repentance. Number uh, seven. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination. Bible reading and prayer. In order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. We need that. We need these daily devotional times. These daily quiet times with God for reflection. Self-examination. Bible reading and prayer. Number eight. Yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and my words. Yield yourself to God to be contagious Christians. God wants to help us. God wants to help all of us. So we are now in step five, and let me reread that. We need to voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove our character defects. Step number five. Read with me Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Hopefully you've turned there by now. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to read this passage again. It's, it's just two verses. I want it to sink deep down within all of us. In fact, I, if I was to give you homework, I would tell you to go home and memorize this passage. Maybe you have. Make it a, a, something that's second nature to you. Paul says, I urge you, brethren... This is serious. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Make your bodies living sacrifices. And that's a spiritual service of worship, Paul says. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. So what do you do? Be transformed. Instead of being conformed to this world, be transformed by the, by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You want to know God's will? Allow God to transform you. Allow God to renew your mind. You're not going to know God's will when you're living for the world. You're not going to know God's will when you're living for self and materialism and all the worldly things. You will know God will when you are allowing him to transform you. It's, it's, it's the word we get metamorphosized from. God is metamorphosizing us, changing us, transforming us. Then we can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We're going to come back to that passage in a little bit. My theme today, a summary of step five, is be transformed. Be transformed. And that comes from step five. Voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life. And humbly ask him to remove my character defects. These steps that we're going over, they all flow together. But for some of you, you might be coming to each Sunday sermon and now we're on step five of eight. And you may think, I'm not, I'm, I'm not experiencing a lot of 
of, of transformation. I'm not experiencing a lot of change. I, I feel like I'm still struggling with my hurt habit or hang-up. And I would encourage you to go a step beyond. I'm just, I'm just kind of summarizing each one of these steps each week. You have to be doing the work at home. If, you're not in a prayer, if you don't have a prayer partner, we need prayer and accountability partners. We need that. That is critical to our Christian life. If you're not involved in the church, like really involved, and I'm not talking about really involved on a ministry team or commission type thing or helping with children's ministry. I'm talking like small groups, Sunday school class, Wednesday night Bible study. Those are critical. If you're not spending time with the Lord in daily devotions, it's critical that you're wired with, with the Holy Spirit, that you are close to the Holy Spirit and spiritual disciplines. And by the way, this is my plug. In the beginning of September, we're actually going to start another small group. It's going to be a Sunday night small group. We're going to be meeting at, at a house, and I'll, I'll share more with you. Actually, we're going to be reading a, meeting at different houses. We'll go four weeks at someone's house, and then we'll move to another house. And So that's going to be starting. Look, we need close Christian community. That is critical. We need a close connection with the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit work? In the community of the church, in, through the Word of God and our daily devotions, through these prayer times. That, that's so important. Beyond that, sometimes God uses His people through Christian counselors. Uh, celebrate recovery. There is a step study that goes deeper into each one of these steps through Celebrate Recovery. And I would love to help and encourage you with any of those. Definitely see me. So today, let's talk about transformation. Let's talk about that. First, let me uh, share what is wrong. What is wrong? We have defects in our life. And these defects come from three sources. Biological, sociological, and theological. Biological, sociological, and theological. Biological. We'll come back to that here in a minute. We have defects that come from, from our, our, our genetics. We have defects that way. We have defects that are sociological. These come from our peers, people we know. And we have a theological issue, which means that uh, our sin nature, we're affected by our sin and the other sin around us. In the book, Life's Healing Choices, these are called chromosomes, circumstances, and choices. Chromosomes, circumstances, and choices. I, didn't, I don't know if you knew you were going to get some science today, but each of our, each of our parents contributed 2,300 chromosomes to our birth. Isn't that amazing? However, this is not an excuse for our hurts, habits, or hang-ups. Just because we might have things going back in our, in our genetics, things going back in our background, which might predispose us to be, to be given over to addictions or anger or, or OCD or, or mental illness or whatever, that is no excuse. It just shows there are certain habits that go back to our DNA. Socially, we have a legitimate need for love, respect, and security. But as we grow up, the social circumstances we face develop who we are. Even as adults, we are still changing based on our social circumstances. Some, even many of these, are good things. Many of these social circumstances are good things. But there are some negative hurts, habits, or hang-ups which we develop as well. Sometimes we develop hurts, habits, and hang-ups as a way to protect ourselves from certain people or situations. Or maybe we excuse them that way. Maybe we excuse them that way. Sometimes our hurts, habits, and hang-ups are a response to a situation or situations. Sometimes these hurts, habits, and hang-ups are sin. We can call them as they are. Sometimes they are not sin, but they are affected by sin. We all have things we're dealing with. Theologically, we have a nature, and this goes back to Adam and Eve. We are in a fallen world. 
We can sum up the, the whole biblical narrative and the whole world history in the future with creation, fall, redemption, restoration. We were created good. Everything was good. Read Genesis 1 through 2. Genesis chapters 1 through 2. God called everything good. He created man and woman. He called it very good. And then we had the fall. Humanity fell from grace. We have a sin problem. We also have diseases that are mental and that are physical. And we see this in Genesis 3. When humanity sinned, the whole world was tarnished. Romans 8 says, all the world is awaiting redemption. We had redemption. Jesus saved us, but we are not in heaven yet. We're not there yet. Romans 3.23 and 6.23, he restores us. And he wants to metamorphosize us. Restoration. Someday, God will make all things new. He'll make all things perfect. Revelation 21 and 22. But we're not there yet. So we have these hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And sometimes they become comfortable, like an old pair of shoes, right? You can have a, a pair of shoes that are comfortable even though they have holes in them, even though they're absolutely terrible. You, you like them, but they're falling apart. They're no help for you. An example, last year I ran this insane race called a Tough Mudder. I would, I would not recommend them to anyone, okay? But they're really popular for some reason. And I ran it, and I thought, it's going to be a muddy race. It's full of mud. So I'll wear my old running shoes, my old running shoes. Why wear new running shoes? I'm comfortable in these running shoes. By the very beginning of the race, I'm waiting for it to start, and I look down, and my running shoes that were old had a tear about the, at the toe. It was torn across the toe. So I tried to tie the shoelace around them. It didn't really work. Nobody had duct tape. The very first obstacle, you run up and you're supposed to climb over this, this, this big wall. And as soon as I ran up, my toe went into the wall and the shoe split in the front and, and I broke my toe. After, because I wanted to wear these old running shoes. I knew them. They were reliable. Why waste new shoes? Sometimes our hurts, habits, and hang-ups are comfortable like an old pair of shoes. They're falling apart. They're terrible, they're hurting you, they're hurting others, but we like them. Why is it so hard to change? Why is it so hard to change? Here we go. Let's give you three reasons. We confuse the defects with our identity. We confuse the defects with our identity. We often confuse our identity with our character defects. We say, that's just the way I am. We identify ourselves with, with our defects when we say, it's just like me to be a workaholic. It's just the way I am. Or it's just like me to be overweight. It's just the way I am. Or it's just like me to be angry. It's just the way I am. It's just like me to have anxiety. It's just the way I am. It's just like me to have depression. It's just the way I am. We are confusing our defect with our identity. And that's keeping God from helping us. It's keeping ourselves from getting help. God loves you. He knows how much that's hurting you and others. He wants to help us. He wants to help us. The other thing is every defect has a payoff, or so we think it does. Every defect has a payoff, or so we think. A mom who is struggling with her anger might politely say to her children, kids come to dinner. When they don't come, she asks them again. When they still don't come, she yells. Kids come to dinner, or you are going to get me mad. And you know what happens then. We've all been there. Then they come. Unconsciously, the kids have set up their mother to yell and get mad. And mom has figured out that yelling works. There's the payoff. There's the payoff. But it's only a temporary payoff. 
Because that anger gets passed down generationally. And there are major repercussions for that anger and for that yelling with the kids. So why is it so hard to change? We confuse our defects with our identity. Every defect has a payoff. And Satan discourages our efforts to change. Satan discourages our efforts to change. John 8, 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus says this. You have your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. It goes back to Genesis chapter 3. When all creation fell and Adam and Eve fell into sin, the devil told a lie to Eve and it went passed down. Satan discourages our efforts to change. What does the Bible say? Let's reread Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. God wants to transform us. God wants to help us. And he doesn't want to help us just a little bit. He wants to help us a lot. He wants to transform us. He wants to transform us. James 4.4 4 says that friendship with the world is enmity, hostility, ill will to God. There is a... There is a a difference between the world and God's way. That's why here it says, do not be conformed to the world. The world is opposite of God. The world opposes God. In John 17, Jesus prayed about the world hating the disciples in him. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul talked about this, this present evil age. The world is a present evil age and it opposes God. God wants to transform us from the world to his ways. There is a difference between the things of God and the things of the world. Paul calls us to avoid worldly contamination and have spiritual transformation. Here in Romans 12, 2, Paul calls us to avoid worldly contamination and have spiritual transformation. And we are all victims of the, world, the worldly contamination. We are all victims of the worldly contamination. We all need spiritual transformation. We can present our bodies as living sacrifices, as verse 1, Romans 12 says. These living sacrifices, holy. We can do that by not being conformed to this age, but by being transformed. We have to be transformed. Transformed is the word metamorphosis. This is the same word used to describe a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. That is a major change. That's a major change that God wants to do in you and me and in us. We must have a gradual change to be more and more like Christ. Remember the old Superman, the ones from the late 70s, early 80s with Christopher Reeve? You know, suppose it was Christopher Reeve's idea to make Clark Kent like a, a kind of clumsy guy. You know, because you would never think that just taking off glasses and putting on a cape would make people realize that's Superman. And just the glasses would keep people from recognizing Clark Kent's not Superman. So they decided to play Clark Kent as this, you know, fumbling around, bumbling, clumsy guy. I love it. It's in the second movie. He just walks right in front of a car. You know, right in front. And the car hits him and you see this big dent on the car. You know, it's great. But people are thinking, clumsy Clark Kent? There's no way he could be Superman. But he changes into Superman. 
It has to change. None of us are Superman or Superwoman. Don't get me wrong. But we have a change from being a non-Christian, being of the world, being like Clark Kent, to being a Christian, being metamorphosized, turning into like a Superman-type character. God changes us. He transforms us. He transforms us. The New American Commentary here says, the verb, the verb translated metamorphosize occurs in two, well, translate, uh, the verb translated as transform transformed, transformed, occurs in two other settings in the New Testament. First is Mark chapter 9, verse 2, as well as Matthew 17, 2. It's the same setting in the Gospels. This is where Jesus is said to have been transfigured before his three disciples. Jesus is transfigured before the three disciples. The next is 2 Corinthians three eighteen, where Paul taught that believers, as they behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his likeness. Believers, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his likeness. The transformation of which Paul spoke in Romans 12, 2 is not a change affected from without, but a radical, a radical reorientation that begins deep within the human heart. This happens by renewing our mind. Renewing our mind. Paul doesn't tell us what to renew our mind in, but we can take some guesses. Think about Romans 8, which talks about walking by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. Jesus commands us to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. You know, do not be conformed, but be transformed to know God's will. We need to renew our mind, and we renew our mind in God's word. How do we do this? We do this through spiritual disciplines. Time in the word of God, time in prayer, time with the body of Christ, time in small groups, time with prayer partners. We need a relationship with God, a relationship with God. We are fed by his word. When we are transformed, we can test God's will. We can test God's will. What is the treatment, though? What is the treatment? So for the treatment of this step, most of this comes from the book, Life's Healing Choices. How do we cooperate with God's change plans? How do we let God change us? You know, I touched on some of these through spiritual disciplines, but here are some other, just some other thoughts. We can only change by God's power. We can only change by God's power. You, you can't do it on your own. Too often we're trying to do it on our own. We can only change by God's power. Now, sometimes we recognize we can, change, we, we can only change by God's power, but we still think we can do it on our own with God. When God wants to work in his community with Christian counselors and Christian friends and through small groups and through Sunday school and through spiritual disciplines and through, through confess, confessing of sin, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Proverbs 7, 20, 17, 24 says, Wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding. But the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Focus on one thing at a time. Don't focus on being Billy Graham tomorrow when we have some things to deal with today. Focus on one thing at a time. Focus on one, one victory at a time. Focus on one victory at a time. A lot of times we want instant, instant everything. We want instant godliness too. We want instant healing from our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But it takes time. It takes time. I like this old saying. It says, life by the yard is hard, but life by the inch, it's a cinch. Life by the yard is hard, but life by the inch, it's a cinch. Don't set a deadline. Some things you will be working on for your life. Ask, talk to God about it. That's a, that's a major revolutionary idea, right? Talk to God about it. 
Ask God to help you just for today. Say this, Lord, just for this day, I want to be patient and not get angry. Just for today, protect me from going to those internet sites. Just for today, help me to think pure thoughts instead of lustful ones. Focus on the day. Thank the Lord at the end of the day. Thank him even writing about it in a prayer journal. Focus on God's power, not your willpower. Try to use your imagination here. Try to imagine God literally taking away your character defects, your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Let's, let's say you're working on your temper, your anger. Imagine taking your temper out and opening up the garbage can. Imagine putting your temper into the garbage can, sealing the lid and taking the garbage can out to the curb. Then imagine a garbage truck pulling up by the side of the road. See the sign on the side that says, God and Son, doing business with people like you for 2,000 years. Watch them pick up the garbage, dump it into the truck and smash it down. Then watch as a truck turns around and speeds off taking your defect with it. Some days you will need your garbage picked up every hour. Talk to God about it. God is going into the garbage. Then let God take it away. Willpower does not work. You have to trust God's power, not your own. He can help you change your character defects if you submit to him and pray. Pray, Lord, I know I can't change on my own power, but I'm trusting you to change me. Focus on good things. Philippians 4.8. Focus on good things. Now, this is really interesting and very true. Did you know that every time you think a thought, positive or negative, every time you think a thought, positive or negative, it is an electrical impulse across your brain, and that impulse creates a path. It creates a path in your brain, a literal, physical path. And every time you think the same thought, the path gets deeper and reinforces the brain pattern. Some of us have negative ruts in our minds because we've thought the same negative things over and over. But we also can do the opposite. We can do the opposite. We can create positive pathways in our mind. Every time we think about a scriptural truth, we reinforce that positive brain pattern. The only way to replace a negative ruts is to create positive ones. The only way to replace a negative ruts is to replace them with God's word. Over and over. Focus on good, not feeling. Faking until you make it is good in this case. Focus on progress, not perfection. So let's talk about some actions. Pray about this. Pray. Write. Write in a prayer journal about what's going on in your life. Reflect. Be honest with yourself and with God. In addition to that, get some index cards. And on one side of each card, write scripture. On one side, write scripture. On the other side, write a practical application of the verse in the form of a personal affirmation. Write scripture on one side, and on the other side, a practical application of the verse in the form of a personal affirmation. Share with a prayer partner. I know I've been emphasizing this week in and week out. We need prayer partners. If not one person, maybe two or three that you can meet with and bear your soul in total confidentiality and pray with one another, confess with one another, hold each other accountable. We need that. Share with your prayer partner. God wants to change us. He wants to transform us. Robert Bella, a sociologist who teaches at the University of California at Berkeley, is very interested in the influence of religion on the community. In an interview in Psychology Today, he said this. He said, we should not underestimate the significance of the small group of people who have a new vision of a just and gentle world. 
The quality of a culture, the quality of a culture may be changed when 2% of its people have a new vision. When 2% have a new vision, they can change a culture. We saw that in the beginning of Christianity. I mean, we didn't. We read about it in the Bible. In the beginning of Christianity, it's just the 12 disciples. And God changed the whole world through them with the Holy Spirit's leading. Robert Belha continued. He said, there are many more than 2% Christians in your country and mine. Then why aren't we having more effect? We are, why aren't we having more influence? He says, I pray that God will call you to permeate non-Christian society for Christ. To take your stand there uncompromisingly with the value system and moral standards of Jesus. We need to do that. Let God transform us. Let God change us. And in doing so, he'll transform the society. He's done it before. He's doing it right now, whether we realize it or not. He's at work. Let him work in your life. Seek him today for these things. First, though, do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, anyone can come after me. But he's got to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. How are you doing with denying yourself, taking up your cross to follow Jesus? How are we doing? Are we committed to Christ? The Bible calls us to confess we are sinners in need of a Savior, to believe in him as the only Savior, to trust in him and commit to him. If you've not done that, today is a day of salvation. The first step in recovery, the first step in dealing with our sin nature, the first step in dealing with our sin problem is committing our lives to Christ, making him Lord of our life. We can't do it on our own. We need his help. We need him. We need him. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, help us living for you. We can't do this on our own. We need your help. Lord, I pray that this congregation, that all of us would live out Romans 12, 1 through 2. May we all live out Romans 12, 1 through 2, where we make our bodies living sacrifices, holy and pleasing, which is our reasonable service of worship. Lord, help us not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but Lord, may we be transformed. May we be transformed by the renewing of our mind so we can test and approve what your will is, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, we need your transformation. We need the Holy Spirit to do it. We need your word. We need to be active in the spiritual disciplines. And Lord, if there's anyone here right now who has not committed their life to you as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation, confessing they are sinners in need of a Savior, believing in you as the only Savior, trusting in you and committing to you. Lord, help us to live for you. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you close in prayer after the song? Thanks. Our closing hymn.